welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. So let's do this. How are you today anyways, Judy? I'm good. I'm not sick, Rick. Good, good. So listen, what do you think about the whole Taylor Swift thing? Well, I don't pay much attention to her, but I have got to say that I love that she's a feminist, especially at such a young age, that she uh, has that trait about her and that she's fought for a lot of equal rights. And she has a lot of fun, apparently. I guess her um, stage show is amazing. And uh, she's just really turning into a very lovely, smart woman. Yeah, you know what? I love her. I think she's awesome. Maybe I don't know. I'm speaking out of my ass here. But I don't see her as a feminist. I just see her as a person. She might stand up for herself. Uh, She might stand up for things. She's very woman empowerment. Or is she just, because to me, a woman who's empowered is just empowered. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference to me. I'm just empowered. I'm awesome. I'm great. I'm I'm taking the world by storm, and I just happen to but be a woman. Fights, she fights, yes, but she fights for women's causes. She she uh, understands that the fight's not over yet. That there's still a lot more to do. And I love love the fact that she is getting young people engaged in the politics in the U.S. Yes, getting them and to I'm, vote, not vote, but to register vote. to vote. And I guess I'm I'm so for it is because, of course, I believe she's got the same view on politics very much that I have. But I think it's great that she's just getting young kids involved. Yeah, well, she'd be, know? I would say, based on hearing her speak, and she talks a lot about her quirkiness and the way she does things and sees things, that she she and herself is atypical. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think she would readily admit that, and proudly so, like we do. Yeah, oh, I think so, too. Yes, I agree 100%. Okay, so let's move on and talk about how companies hire people today. You apply for a job. If you're lucky, you get a call. You might go for a number of interviews, have some references checked done on you, and have to do some standardized testing. Companies and that, they love testing, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It used to be IQ tests. Now it's personality tests. They got all kinds of fancy words for them, you know, but they're needed and required and I've never been a fan. Well, you know how I feel about it. I'm against them, generally. And why are you against them? Because taking my experience, I'm horrible at horrible at things like that. That doesn't tell them anything about me. My brain doesn't work like that. I have to be in in a situation. Put me in a situation. See how I handle it. They argue that they've thought all that through, and they are anticipating that. But again, yes, they have may, they have maybe taken all those things into account. Because right. I've had the argument, you know, Carlos and I have had the argument over the years about the, how value tests are. And I mean, right. he's a big proponent of that, as he would be. That's kind of his job, right? And I've always said, yeah, but you know, Carlos, the brain is complex. And although we might sit here and say, you guys have figured it all out, I can tell you, 100 years from now, if we sit here and we look at that test, we're going to go, oh, my God, was this rudimentary. Right. Yeah. Right. So Where don't let's, get, let's not get carried okay. away how perfect this test is because that's re- relative yeah. to time. 
Right. You know, I don't know the know the test that you're talking about personally because I I don't take I don't I've never had to take a test. I think I did it once when I was younger. To well, how do you know then? You're thinking all these comments. Just, you've never taken them. No, I. If you had let, if you'd listened to me, I said I took one when I was younger, and didn't get the job. And I realized that was not the route for me. <laughs> but I know my daughter's. What, what you you're so about? full of shit. No, no, because you because you said if you would listen to me, well, you fucking never said that. You just you know you made you said something new. You was like, oh, I said that before, and you didn't listen to me. Now you never fucking said that. Honest to God. Oh yeah, I was gonna say it. Yeah, I was gonna. I was in the middle of saying it when I was younger. I took one of those tests for a job. I didn't get the job because, of course, I didn't pass the test. And I went, okay, that's not for me. And I, as you know, I was an entrepreneur all my life. So, right. but my daughter, who is uh, in the corporate world, she's taken the test and she's also like her mother and she doesn't do well on them. But you put her in any situation and she'll blow everybody else out of the water. How do you know that? Because I watch it. I watch it when she's been hired. I watch what she does. I get, you know, she gives me her reviews. I see the the bonuses she gets during, right, you know, right, retirement. Right. So once they, you know, if she can get her foot in the door, it's like oh, what we've been talking about all along, you know. Oh, no, listen, I agree 100%. There's many times through my career. Frankie, I worked for two companies my whole life. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I had lots of successes. But I never branched out from those companies because I knew I would have to take a test. And right. I knew that I could not compete with a traditional thinker on those type of tests. I just did not have the skills. So it was either I wouldn't get the job anyways or I'd be too embarrassed with the test results. You know, right. so and the times I did have to take the test, I had to do a bit of well, I was forced to take tests. I had to do a bit of song and dance and explain things to people. And that's the only way we got through it. Because when I was hired by McKesson, mm-hmm. I, I had to take a test. It was going through a headhunter and all that sort of stuff. And But thank God I knew the headhunter. And I pulled out my psychological assessments that I had done privately for me right. personally and explained right. my, cog- or my cognitive issues and my dyslexia and all that sort of stuff. And uh-huh. uh, thank God, and the people, the individuals that were looking at my file accepted that and based more on the not, I still had to take the test, but my, uh-huh. the te- my other testing kind of explained why it kind of read the way it did. They accepted that. And I got the job and went on to great successes. But I can tell you when I was being to be tested for the big job, the SVP job, you know, going to run billion dollar company. I had to take a test. I was forced into taking Here I'd worked for the company for 18 years, and I was still forced by HR to take this test. Like people didn't know me and know what I was potentially capable of. And I took the test. Big surprise. It's all fucked up. No, no. You know, Rick, it shows in the test that Rick has problems with leadership and getting shit done. Yeah, okay. Something I've, I've made a career out of. Again, I had to battle it. I had to battle it because, again, it came down to who's scoring the test, what's their motivation in if they score it well or poorly. Uh, There's all Uh other things that really lie behind that sort of stuff. And it wasn't for my boss or going to be boss at the time. I think it was convinced that 
I was the right person for job. He 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 made it so that I had could sit down with the psychologist and talk about my answers. Okay. And we did that, and the psychologist said, "Yeah, you're ready to go." Now I had a little help preparing for the call psychologist because again, they had their standard kind of trick questions, right? Testing has always been that thing that held me back. And oh my God, I can just go on and on. I mean, I remember hiring a person for the warehouse who was going to do like a kind of an IT function, inventory balancing function. And everybody in the, in the, that had to meet this person in the warehouse did, and they loved this person. And the last step was doing the test. And HR eliminated that person on the spot. Now we're not talking. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were forced to hire someone that would last three months and call all sorts of disturbances because they passed the test. Yeah, that's my point. Exactly. So did you bring the other guy back? No, no, they didn't pass the test. There's no coming back from that. You have the death sentence, man. You didn't call her in the right (laughs) dots. You're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I would be fucked every time. Every time. No, no, it is what it is. So, you know, yeah. so, you know, Carlo Davis, Davidovich, we've had on the podcast and we've talked to mm-hmm. him and, you know, he and I know each other pretty well. He was my coach for a long time. We'd have all kinds of right. debates around testing, you know, and we've come to the conclusion that he thinks you're good. And I think, well, I think they cause more injury than they help. I mean, right. maybe if you're trying to make sure someone doesn't walk into the office with an AR, AR-15 or something, then testing's good yeah we want to eliminate eliminate oh, yeah, those people to, yeah we don't want them up on the tower shooting at yeah us. no yeah. no of course we, you know yeah. i get that oh, the extreme yeah. cases need to go but this yeah. is not extreme stuff so no. we you know we've had a discussion and we've agreed on a few things one of the things we agreed to is that testing is meant as a, a development tool it's really meant to say okay you're going to hire this person but as you hire them you should know that if they are potentially weak in these three areas Okay. okay. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't hire them because of these three areas. It means that they're going to probably need to need development as you go down with that person. And you should simply be able to say, yeah, I can live with that. The hiring manager needs to know that they can live with that, not the scorer of the test. Okay. Can I just interject for a minute? Can I stop you? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but I'm being polite. But when you went for the S, uh, senior vice president, that test showed that you weren't a good leader. Right. Well, you didn't have to have help in getting leadership. Yeah, yeah, well, but, but that was in a whole other set of situation. That goes to the second point. Is the okay. score of the test impartial? Oh, okay. Because you know what it's like. If I like you and I read the test, my mind interprets things different. And if I don't like you or if I want the job myself, I may very okay. well interpret the results very, very differently. Okay. How can they do that? Well, aren't they just straightforward? I mean, I you know, I like I said, I haven't taken. I've taken. Well, no, you know what? It's not because as Carlos and I have discussed this over time, is really you look. Say there's 20 characteristics, and okay. if you're low in three but high in mm-hmm. the three others, you can interpret that as balancing off each other. Or you can right. ignore this. There's a science to interpreting these tests. I mean, and it's not like Carlos is one of the originators of this test. You don't have that guy sitting in the office interpreting this test. You have some exactly. HR analyst who's determining this, right. who takes it to the VP, who, based on their biases, then yeah. makes decisions. Exactly. Okay, that, that makes sense. But yeah. here's the thing that is really, really the kicker, and I love. 
Okay. So Carlos and I are debating this all out, and we finally come to agreement that there's no, there really is no way for any test to tell you if one characteristic is so strong that it will outweigh all the other, all the other negatives. And I call them negatives, those other development opportunities. Meaning that I'm so good, say, with people that it doesn't matter that I can't read, write, spell, or anything else. Because you're going to be so good with those people. I've got a superpower. I can fly. I can, you know what I mean? I can do things that no one else can do to that level. And that outweighs everything. Exactly. Right. That makes sense to me. Right? For sure. but But you can't measure that in a test. No, well, they would probably choose not to. Well, yeah, but okay, we're kind of painting this as a negative. I mean, I think there's just become a culture of testing. And let's just say that the people are unbiased and they are using those developmental opportunities and that okay. sort of stuff. There still is this culture that testing matters because it really does disadvantage the newer diverse. It, 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 it's, I think there's a real want to bring neurodiverse people, people who think different, atypical people into the workforce. I agree. There's enthusiasm. There is. Let's take autism because everyone knows autism. You've talked about it a million times, right? So when we're talking about neurodiversity, are we talking about taking someone that's quite low on the on the spectrum, you know, that they um, maybe don't speak much, they, they are very quiet, the typical newer diverse diverse yeah so is is that what they mean by being diverse we're going to do be doing a talk to a group in a little while and we're going to be talking about all that and there's no doubt that people understand what they can see right so when you talk not atypicals when you talk newer divergent exactly it is the visible thing. You understand everybody hears about autism. Everybody understands about ADHD. But when you think about autism, you are thinking about exactly what you said. Is that young adult sitting in the corner doing math equations, not saying right. a word. Now, right. that's one point on the lower spectrum. But there is a right. wide spectrum. I have a, a nephew who's also on the spectrum, but he's at a high level. Man, you'd never know. This guy's a rock star. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he doesn't have certain things that he has to deal with. ADHD is the same thing. We all get the right. guy who's bouncing off the wall, but don't understand that the guy lying on the couch, he's got ADHD as well. Right. And and I know that, I, I, but I'm just, it may, I wonder, and it just kind of hit me now because we talk about this hiring neurodiverse. And I just wonder in people's minds what they think of when they say, we need to get neurodiverse people in here. It's certainly the low-level visible people. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I think it's got to go farther. But that's the education that we've got to help with, is that people lie in all levels of the spectrum. I mean, I'm, you know, I've got six neuro conditions, all sort of mid to high level. I'm not visible. So if you want to hire me into your company, you right today have roadblocks to that. One is testing. Mm -hmm. I can't pass the test to the level that I need to to get into your company. I was saying that when there's people like you who are normal, somewhat normal looking, they just go, no, you don't fit. And I'm going, hey, but just a minute, that's a neurodiverse person. You should be hiring him. But they don't look at it like that. Not yet. Well, not yet, but let's go to diversity. Okay, let's go. So diversity is we're going on for decades. We want to hire people of color, race, sexual orientation, language, just an endless list, which is yeah. all a good thing. And I've, exactly. sit in, I've sat in the boardrooms where there's great enthusiasm around that. And mm-hmm. there's two issues with that. 
One is that it's in hiring these people, we want people that fit these molds or fit the criteria, but I really want them to be just like me. So if I'm going to hire the black gay guy, I probably want the guy out of Harvard or top university with great marks because he'll fit into my mold a little better. And he'll probably pass the test. Well, then you just end up having a whole bunch of people that look different that think the same. So, but when it comes to newer diversity, it's much more difficult because although in diversity, I want everyone that looks or acts like me, now with neurodiversity, I can guarantee you that they won't. They won't think like you and they potentially won't act like you. And that could be a real stumbling block because, you know, we can talk about all this wonderful diversity and neurodiversity, but executives want things the same because variation from the same is just a pain in the ass because it gives me more work. Mm-hmm. You know, because all this creativity and thinking about this and sensitive to this, he's just asking me to do more shit. I'm busy enough and I don't need that. Right. So, and we talked about with Ochan was filling the gap. So even if you want to hire neurodiverse, there's a gap. And the gap is, well, that means I got to change my interviewing practices. I got to change my testing practices. I got to change my expectations. I got to change. I really start to change my culture even before they come in because, listen, guys, we need people that are more creative, people that think outside the box because the culture is evolving where that you're saying, if everyone's the same, thinks the same, where the fuck are we going? Acts the same. Acts the same. Well, then we're all going to do the same thing. We need different type of thinkers. And it's going to disrupt the system. Exactly. And, but if you, I'm going to go back to this, but if you hire a typical autistic person, you probably wouldn't put him through the test because you know he's autistic and you're going to bring him in and say, look, we've got diversity. We're going to put him over here and he's going to do this. That's right. And that's the danger of that. We've checked the box. And not to say that the newer diverse person at the lower end of the spectrum doesn't create good value because I bet when you want to talk about getting to deep analysis and understanding and really understanding the numbers, they're probably great at that. We're talking more of the mid to high level that are the future leaders because they have all that stuff. It's just not packaged the way that the typical thinker would think it should be packaged. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to think that I was negating what they could bring because they can bring uh, a lot. Like you said, you know, give them whatever their brain works well with and they'll take it to the nth degree. So please, I hope no one uh, misunderstood that. But I agree. Well, if you have any issues with what Judy said, please write in to theatypicalleader.com <laughs> and we will deal with that. Okay. Well, what are we, what are we going to do about testing then? Well, I think testing is just, testing has to evolve. Testing has to be, it's like we talked, three things. It's got to be used as just a developmental piece. Uh, we have to take the bias out of reading the results and we have to get better at figuring out those hidden strengths, those strengths that are really game changers. I don't know, maybe testing will come obsolete or I'm sure somebody's going to figure out how to do it more effectively. But less dependence on it and use it as a developmental tool, I think is what's key. So let me wrap this up with a couple of questions. What's going to happen in the future when atypicals apply for jobs, people that aren't so visible? How can companies reorganize their texting practices? Because if you keep them the same, you really are eliminating any chance of atypicals or neurodiverse from mid to high level on the spectrum to enter your company. It will be up to companies to manage the gap between enthusiasm 
and the practicality of hiring. And it's important for neurodiverse and atypicals to own who you are. Be clear with companies about your diversity traits. Don't hide anything. Be straight up. And if nobody seems to care, it's probably not the company for you. So move on. And remember, it's time to own who you are. Thanks for joining us today and listening to another episode of The Atypical Leader. If you haven't already done so, like, share, and follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. By liking and sharing, you will help other atypicals find all of us. So we can all start to leverage the stories, strategies, and strengths of what make us all unique. Keep listening and remember, take charge and push away those self-doubts. Leverage what we're talking about. Be confident in who you are and proud of what makes you unique. So join me, Rick Brennan, and my co-host, Judy Sims, on the next episode of The Atypical Leader. And don't forget to get your copy of the book, The Atypical Leader, Harnessing the Power of Neurodiversity on Amazon. To learn more about us, leadership, and neurodiversity, please go to our website, atypicalleader.com. Thanks for listening. Let's do it again next week.